Good morning, Spring. Sorry, a little loud. We just ran over from Kids Church. Hope they don't figure out how to untie those knots quickly. Um, so uh, Tatum and I have been at Spring for about a year and a half or so now. Uh, we retired here from, uh, from out of the Navy from San Diego, California. And uh, when we got here, uh, Phil asked us to be uh, part of the Connect team. And uh, at first we were like, well, that doesn't really make sense because we don't really know anybody. Um, but it actually it kind of made perfect sense. As a military family, for more than 20 years, we, we learned how to get connected quickly. Um, and now, while I'll tell you that this is the first place we really put down deep roots, uh, we, would, we would learn how to get in and, and get at least settled and meet people fairly quickly. So um, we started the Connect team uh, back around February, I think it was, had our first meeting. Uh, about a week or so later, this thing called uh, COVID happened. Have you guys heard of this? Like all the cool, some of the cool kids were talking about it. Uh, I'm not really sure all the details, but uh, so from that point forward, uh, it was actually kind of a blessing for us because we kind of got to see how the process worked because we didn't have any connections for a really long time, and then they kind of started trickling in. Uh, so we started reaching out and connecting to people, seeing what uh, what worked uh, and what didn't. Um, and now that we're kind of on the tail end uh, of hopefully uh, of uh, the COVID uh, crisis. Uh, we're going to looking to, to connect more fully. Uh, we're going to be reestablishing our, our Connect team in short order. Um, but let me pass to Tatum to talk about a couple things. Awesome. Thanks. Um, so, yeah, we just want to welcome you here. If you are a guest today, um, please fill out a Connect card. There should be one in the front seat pocket in front of you. Um, and you can turn it in during um, offering or you can turn it back to the Welcome Center. Um, or maybe you've been here for a few weeks and you just haven't taken the time to fill one out, please do so. We really want to get to know you. We want to see how we can get you acquainted with uh, Dayspring and get you plugged in. Um, so please take the time to do that. Um, and maybe if you are here in the last year during this pandemic and you feel like, oh, I filled one of these cards out, but I didn't really get the follow-up I was hoping for or something fell through the cracks, we want to make that right with you. So please forgive us and fill it out again. We really do want to get to know you. We really do want to get you plugged in. Um, and Dayspring, as you know, as many of you know here, we are really about family. So we want to get you plugged into family. So even if you've been here maybe years um, and you don't feel like you're in family, we want to know that too. So if you could look around this room and you can't think of maybe two or three people that you could call if you had an emergency if your car broke down, um, or if you just needed prayer or um, someone to be there for you. If you are sitting here today and you're like, I really don't know people here, and uh, we want to know that, so take the card, also fill it out, and just write family on the top so we know you're not new here, but you want to be family, and we want to help you with that transition and get you plugged in. So if that's you, write family. If you're new here, just fill it out. And if you have filled it out before, but it didn't go through like it should, please write, um, maybe reconnect on the top. That's good. All right, so pursuant to that, so core family groups are really the core of, of Dayspring. And pursuant to that, um, as kind of the vision is really unfolded um, and talking with, with Larry and Phil and some of the other leaders, um, what we would like to do is, is establish connections within the core family group so that uh, when a new person comes, uh, we can get their connection information. We can pass that directly to what we'll call a connector uh, that's actually embedded in each core family group. Right, so that's what we've uh, talked with the core family leaders about. Uh, and if you are just a naturally outgoing person, you like to meet new people, that's just a, a gifting, something that God has placed on your heart, and you're in a core family group, please uh, let your core family group leader know. Uh, volunteer. We would love to, to meet with you. We'll be having uh, probably a, a meeting within the next month or so uh, to kind of reestablish the Connect team and talk about the procedures uh, and get everybody aligned with that so we can just connect people as quickly as possible directly to family because we don't want people to come in and not feel like they're a part of what we talk about all the time, if that makes sense. All right, um, that's all we got. Thank you. Aren't they awesome? <clears throat> so there's this new dance move out. It's not the East Coast, West Coast Shuffle, West Coast Swing, East Coast Swing. I can't remember all the, the dance names. But basically, like, you turn around, and then you wave at the person, uh, around you and then actually when you come back to facing forward it, it moves into a clap 
to welcome Ray and Melissa, who are speakers this morning, but also greet your neighbor. So can we try it? We just spin around, wave, and then bring it into a clap. And that's what the, yeah. Woo! Let's welcome Ray and Melissa this morning. super fast. Are you done? I haven't even sat down. Get up again. Do it all. No, just kidding. Um, can we be closer? You're so far away from me. And then they want us to face forward, which is not the way we do this, you know. Well, no, I guess when we're in the car, we do this. Yeah. We, <laughs> I was joking that I, Ray has been, we're, we're, we're nervous about speaking. We're always nervous about speaking, but I'm just like, I'm just super confident. I'm just super confident today because I'm going to be sitting right next to you. But the reason is, is because, I know, go ahead, get it out, go ahead. 15 years, y'all, this year. But uh, <laughs> some of y'all, like, you'll get there. Um, but actually, it's because we do this pretty much every day. When you're married to a teacher, this is what you do every day. Am I right? I'm looking at you. I would say, oh, sorry. Oh, no, he's got it on. It's on. Keep talking. It'll get there. I am. There we go. So, yeah. Have faith. In the car. You know, I, I held you guys hostage here about four weeks ago, like till 12 something. It was like 1225. One, I promised to never do that again. That was not intentional. I joked at the Did beginning. Did you guys mind? No. Come on. Yeah, but yeah, I joked at the beginning I was going to do it, but I actually had no intention of doing it. And then I did it, and I was like, oh, they, they probably thought I was serious. You had full intentions of doing that. So Melissa endures my, like, two-hour sermons in the car. Wherever we go, I'm like, I can't leave ever. I can't ever get away She doesn't get a reprieve. And actually, it was funny, because this morning in the car, we should have been probably going over these notes, but instead you were telling me about give unto Caesar what a Caesar's kind of, like, sermonating. Anyways, okay. All right, let's pray real quick. Oh, yeah, let's do that. Do you want to pray or do you want me to pray? Well, you're going to do it, you said. Okay, oh, I'm going to pray. Okay. All right. Father, you are awesome. You are awesome. And you are worthy, Lord, for us to lay our lives down for you. Inspire our hearts, Jesus, to give you everything. Help us to make that choice, Jesus, and to be intentional about it. We give you everything, Jesus. We give you our money. We give you our time. We give you our affection. We love you, and we want to become just like you. We are aiming at your heart, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to be just like you. You're so good. Amen. Yeah, well, we, we did want to come in this morning and not really sermonate so much as have a conversation. So we might be looking at each other a lot, and you guys will forgive us for that. But I think part of it is, is, is that's why we're invited to do this in couples uh, this month as, as we're dealing with faith and love is um, a conversation. A conversation that starts here, but we hope that will carry out and go into your homes and and so, yeah, so forgive us for looking at each other and, and talking to each other, but it's hard to come off of a worship time like that yeah. and, and not want to talk about everything that was just released during worship. Yeah. But, and then even with Tatum and Jason coming up and talking about family, I think that the, this word was birthed out of Dayspring really wanting to come into biblical family with one another. And I think it was in the last song that they sang that it says, you know, he called us, he called us friends, you know, that there's something about that term that it's, that is all encompassing. There's affection, there's love, there's, there's a devotion to one another. And um, I've been trying to think, what is the biblical vision yeah. for unity in the body and how do we get there? And so that's what we want to talk about today. So... Um, our desire is to embrace the vision that Jesus has for us to walk in unity. And we have to trust in faith that we're heading there. Yeah. So I, I think that when, I, I think first primarily of our marriage and our, 
and our relationship and how, I mean, we're not going to share our testimony, but how dysfunctional we were, especially at the beginning of our marriage, and how the Lord can take two people who are so completely different. I mean, it's easy for you guys to Have you guys that. noticed that about us? We're, we are so, and, and, and we all learn that about each other, I think, in marriage and, or in deep relationships. We learn, oh, we're, we're actually really, really different. And so, but I think the struggle for us was, is we learned our differences more after marriage in things that we probably could have found out about each other. In before. the three years that we dated. <laughs> so, um, and so I'm, I'm thinking of it through that perspective that the Lord can take polar opposites or people in a room together uh, collectively or as a community and unite us under one banner called love yeah. and then create a community that has deep affection for one another even though we may disagree on uh, certain aspects of life. Like big things, guys. I mean, we, we, we are so opposite in so many ways, but we can have a conversation <clears throat> about something that we're in total disagreement with and there is no anger that has to come into that conversation. Like, yeah. I don't want to put labels on things. People have a way of putting labels. And Ray is even, like, try to get me out of putting labels on myself sometimes as, I, as we talk about our political views or, or our economic views. I can't even think of, like, some of the things, the way we view social constructs. and things. I know that those are big, big things. But those are the things that we talk about that we don't see completely eye to eye. But when I look at him, I see Jesus. Yeah. And when he looks at me, he sees Jesus. And so... That's the primary thing that we see about each other. And because of that, everything that he believes about all those other things is really filtered through something I totally trust, and that's the spirit of Christ. Right? Okay. Well, and I, and I, th I think, too, so she said politically. Like, we, we think so differently politically. I'd say that's the big one. Because that's, that's the big so one. We, we really do. And, and it's okay. Like, I, we are so at peace with it because that narrative is so inferior to the gospel narrative, right? So we, we elevate Jesus way up, politics way down. And if I have to fight you down here, we'll never get to this mountain, right? This is where we want to go. We want to get there together. Right, we, we want to get we, there together. We are more committed to that thing, to that eternal hope, to this John 17, what we're going to share, unity, yeah. than we are to being right um, to establishing our position, to all of those things, you know, this is, this is primary. And so this is where we want, this is where we believe that God is driving us because this was Jesus's prayer, you know, his prayer to the father in the garden of Gethsemane before yeah. he was to leave. This was his prayer. So this is a long passage, but track with us here. I pray not only for these, the disciples, you know, those who were with him and believed in him, but for but for those who believe in me through their word, the disciples were the apostles. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. How many times has he got to say this, right? <laughs> I am in them and you are in me so that they may be they may be made completely one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Just think about that. God loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. God loves himself. And we're called into that. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you've given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. The world has not known you. However, I have known you, and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known. And this is, this is the last piece. So that the love you have loved me with may be in them, and I may be in them. Have you considered the quality of, of our love for one another? Is it the kind of love that the Father loves the Son with? To, to live out that kind of love takes a lot of faith because we don't see it, Right? Yeah, I think the, the difficult thing, I think, for us in our humanity is that our bar for love is measured. It's, it's not the right bar. We're not even using the right system to measure love. So typically, we're measuring it based on the best relationship that we have or the best expression yeah. of love that we have. But the biblical way that we would want to measure love is the father, that God loves God. That's the bar. And so 
I need a deeper revelation of God loving God. I don't actually even need the, I do need this revelation, but I don't need it first, that God loves me. I need God loves God. Because if I can get God loves God, I know that my definition of love is so inferior to that superior love. And I've got a long way to go. If I go to God loves me, I automatically, for me, I default to my dad. Okay, so God loves me like my dad loved me. Well, that was very broken. And so now my version of love and my definition is set. That bar is set way too low. So if I go to God loves God and I'm on a trajectory to discover that for the rest of my life, well, that really changes my perception of love. And now I'm not minimizing what love is in my heart. I'm on a journey to discover. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and I don't mean to call those things a low view of love. There are diff- we, We've... You guys have done the word studies on the Greek terms for love. I'm sure you've been through it several times. And so I don't mean to belittle any kind of other forms of love, even like phileo love, friendship love. God calls us friends. It's not that those things are bad, but they're affection-based. They're rooted in the heart, which is good. It's good for us to feel. I mean, doesn't feeling love feel really good? But what about the other kind of love? The The kind that is selective and preferential and supersedes the heart, it's, it, it, it just is, and it chooses no conditions be placed on it except that, it, except that the Father has that standard, yeah. right? So that's the kind of thing that we're hoping for. And, and I, I say this takes faith. Faith is the assurance of what is hoped for, the conviction of, of what is not seen. I don't think we see this kind of love in the church right now. But Jesus is getting us there. But we have to have the faith to believe that Jesus is getting us there. He wouldn't have prayed it otherwise. That's right. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, what's my response? What do I do here? How do, how do we get there? And it's in the small steps. Yeah. I think of, uh, you know, there's different ways you can read the epistles and, and the way that Paul writes. And you can read it like, oh, man, we're missing the mark. Like, we're just not there yet. And how are we going to get there? That's such a high vision. I, I don't understand. And so w- when you're reading Paul, you can read the challenge and feel defeated. Like, oh, that's not going to happen in my life. Or you can read it, it with the excitement that Paul has that for the first time in human history, the Holy Spirit lives exactly. in people. Right. And with the Holy Spirit living in people, now where can we go together? Right. We, we're so, not only motivated, but we're empowered. We are empowered. And so now we don't, we don't have to set the bar low. We can say we can go wherever the Holy Spirit wants to go as long as collectively, and this is the part where unity is so important, that we're all submitted to that spirit. So I'm not submitted to my way of thinking, my way of doing things, my political preferences, the way that people operate around me. Those are not the things that, that unite us. No. You know, what's your career? What's my career? Oh, we're like each other. Ha ha, we pat each other on the back. Oh, you give good hugs. I give good hugs. These... these low ways that we love, I shouldn't say low, they're important. They're just, there is a way in the spirit that we can unite on such a higher uh, narrative that those things pale in comparison. And then if you're not like me in my choices in life, that doesn't matter because the, the, the choice that you've made in your life to follow and submit to Jesus unites me far more than any other way in your life that you're like me or not like me. That's so good. So, Going back to a very familiar verse, when when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Now I'm reading from Matthew, but the Mark passage is up there. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And looking at the Mark passage, he says, there is no other command greater than these. Command singular, these plural. I just want to say that because when I say first commandment love, I'm talking about the, the vertical and the horizontal together. Yeah. Okay? So we want first commandment love motivating us toward unity. That's right. I was, we were listening to a, um, a video of Francis Chan talking. Oh, it was awesome. It was really good. And one of the, talking, the conversation he was, he was having, a conversation with Hank Hanegraaff and KP. Uh, some... I don't know Anybody all the know names. The names aren't important, but they, they, well, they are. I'm sorry. Sorry. 
I love you. <laughs> personally offended. Though. No. But the, the, the thing Hank Canegraaff said, he said, no matter what, if, if we were ever created, if humanity never exists, there would still be love because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit would exist in unity, and their love for each other would exist. And so love is never out of the equation at any point. And God is in it. That's so good. So uh, anyways, we'll move quickly through this part, because what does that kind of unity look like? If You know how like when you're studying something out and then you're looking through scripture, every single scripture seems to point to your, your point? You know, you're yeah. like, this is everywhere. This was something that the apostles really cared about, talking about the, the community of believers, what it should look like. So even though we're going to share these verses, there are so many, and I just, I would use these passages to exhort each of us to say, like, it, not are we missing the mark, but to inspire the hope, to let the Holy Spirit say, yes, you can do that. Yes, you can do that. And so we'll look at Philippians 2, 1. Do you want to read that through that, that whole passage? Yeah, let me get it. Philippians 2, 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way having the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourself. So that I just want to stop here for a second, because that part really is so important. If I live my life in a way where every single person in this room, I consider you more important than me, and everybody else operates in that same way, unity would not be such a, a difficult thing to achieve, right? Because now I'm not living, I'm not coming in with my uh, presuppositions, I'm not coming in with my opinions, I'm not coming in with the things that, my, that I do like, that I don't like, that my needs need to be met when I enter into this building. It is so not about my needs being met when I enter into this building. This building is about celebrating what God is doing in the lives of every person in this room. So when we come together, because that's the big question that's been coming out in 2020, why do we do church? We come to church to celebrate collectively what the Lord is doing in the body of Christ. There's that encouragement. The There's encouragement yeah. in the gathering. And if I, if I just do seven, seven people, me and four more, and that's it, well, one, the testimonies are going to eventually dwindle out between me and my four best friends, right? Well, and, and you know what? We might have a few needs between the seven of us, but how many more needs can be met when there's 50 of us when and we're all, you yes. know, the, meeting the collective right. needs? Anyways, just, that was a little for free. Little wow. Part <laughs> did you, where did you end? On four? Oh, yeah, yeah. So okay, skip, so we're, then we're skipping to 14. Okay. And we're going to come back to this. So everyone look not to his own interests, but rather the interests of others. Do everything without grumbling and without arguing, so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world. So this isn't like a one-time thing that Paul says. This is reiterated over and over and over again. And so... This is where the, the power of the word of God is actually so incredibly helpful to the body of Christ because it will unite us in these ideas. When, when we are not collectively submitted to the word of God, we get our own ideas. And then we, we don't even know these ideas exist. Or if they, if they do, we say, ah, it's just like one time and the context is this. And so we figure out a way to write it off and not apply it to our life. But the weight of of the exhortation to selflessness, how much it's in our Bibles and how much it's in the Word of God, it's, it's so overbearing that to reject it in any way, it actually it, it creates another form of that, um, of the disunity, right? Because now we have rogue believers just kind of interpreting Christianity however they want, and it's like, it's kind of like up to every person to do what they feel like. It's like, no, we bow down, we lay our lives down to the Son, and we all collectively submit to Him and His ideas. These aren't my ideas. Philippians 2 isn't Ray's idea, it's Jesus' idea. This yeah. is how He achieves unity in His church. Yeah, like He doesn't say if you have like maximum encouragement in Christ. If there's the fullness of consolation of love, it's if there's any, if there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit. So I, you know, you didn't share the mustard seed thing, but like it yeah. is in the in the any, 
Whatever you have to give, you, you sow that as a, as a seed. Yeah. I want to move. We'll, we'll walk on. I don't know if yep. you feel like. No, go ahead. Okay, but we'll move through. So Galatians 6, too, says share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Again, I, you know, we're, we're talking about law of Christ. And Jesus even says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. But it's not just so uh, cut and dry. He empowers us with the Holy Spirit. So this sharing of each other's burdens, this loving each other and serving each other humbly without grumbling or complaint, know that this is empowered by the Holy Spirit, yeah. okay? You can't force yourself by your affections to do that. And it actually, the, the, in this verse in context, right before this, it's addressing walking with a, a brother or sister who's going through a sin issue. They're actually walking through a difficulty, a struggle, a sin struggle. And Paul is saying, like, walk gently with this person and share their burden. The, the sin is a burden to them. Yeah. Walk gently with them through it toward restoration. How many of us do that, you know? Or do we uncover the sin? You know, do, you know what I mean? Okay. We'll or does the sin two. put up a barrier between me and them that now I can't relate to them? I was walking th somebody through some discipleship stuff the other day, and I, I just asked him, because he said, man, I, I want to connect with God. I felt his connection, but now I feel disconnected. And I just asked him plain out. I said, do you have, do you have like one or two issues that you feel like the Holy Spirit in your life is confronting? He says, yeah, I got, I got two. And I said, do you feel like at least one of those issues creates shame and guilt in your life? And he said, I do. And I said, do everything that you can right now to obey Jesus in that area. I didn't ask what the areas were. I didn't even care what they were. But getting straight to the heart of it, if he can see that the thing that's creating confusion in his mind is the sin, and I'm willing to stand there side by side with him and say, dude, you might do this again tomorrow and the next day and the day after that, all the while really genuinely reaching for Jesus but failing all throughout the process, if somebody's willing to walk with that person, eventually there's breakthrough and we come through the other side. If he fails and I say, well, dude, that's it. You failed. There's nothing else I have to offer you. I can't be your friend if you're going to keep sinning this way, right? And so there's a, a total opposite way that we can operate with people's failure and, and be compassionate with people through the, way, the same way that Jesus is compassionate with us, right? Jesus didn't say, get yourself all figured out, sorted out, cleaned up. Then you can receive my love and come into the kingdom. He's like, you are a hot mess. You don't even know that you're a hot mess. But I'm inviting you in, and he convicts us of like one or two things, and we're like, whew, those things were huge. Five years later, we find out those things were not huge at all. Now he's revealing things in my heart that are really deep, like areas. I'm like, Jesus, I came into the kingdom. I didn't know you were going to touch this spot. And he's like, oh, you don't even know. We're going far, far deeper than this. And so those little areas that are preventing people from receiving love and, and, and going deeper in relationship, we can just go straight to that person and be like, listen, I know that you feel like a failure. I know that you feel shame, but love is going to cover that, and yeah. I'm going to walk with you through it no matter how long it takes. Yeah. And that's Amen. discipleship. Amen. Yeah. Right? Well, I can see the writing on the wall is that we might not get through all this, but I do want to read. Uh, so we're talking about the, what, what that kind of community, that unity looks like, and I just wanted to share this one point of, from 1 Peter 4, Debbie, that God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You know, no one is not a steward in this passage. God has given each of you a gift. And as we've been given, there's an expectation of it being used to serve the body. And that's part of our living and loving the body. I find it very difficult to love a person who I'm not serving, actually. Do you find that to be true? Yeah. Like, if you're not serving, it is very hard to, to feel the love. And I, when you feel, maybe I should say it the opposite way. When you do so in service, you get like a re reaping of, of love. The feeling comes after. I think so. Yeah. So anyway, if you, if you think to yourself, like, I don't really have a gift. Can you pray? Can you encourage? Can yeah. you be a help in any way? Those are gifts that the Lord enables with his grace. So, yeah. all right. Yeah. We have others, we, we have other passages here and we'll probably have these notes posted, but I think that you guys can find plenty of scriptures that support what a kind of community looks like that's living in love and in, in the unity of the brothers. So we want to talk about what interferes with unity being what established. Unity? All right. And um, 
I think the most obvious thing is we, we all think of the obvious thing like wounding. When we talk about being wounded a lot, you know, there's, an in, there's indirect wounding and there's direct wounding through harsh words or, or some kind of failure, a quarrel. You know, um, the, the verse that, that Ray found was, an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. You know, we, we wound each other quite easily, but that's usually pretty direct, you know, and, uh, but I think there's indirect ways that, that interfere with unity. Yeah, so the, one of the things that really stuck, stuck out to me this week, because we've been contemplating this, sitting here and having this conversation for three, four weeks, and it's like, this whole word has changed like five times, I feel like. Yeah, in my don't mind. prepare a word with somebody else. Don't do that. <laughs> No, I mean, over the last, it was like, at first it started off this, and then it started off, and then it's that. Well, it was, like, it was a, let's sit down in separate places and see what the Lord's speaking to you, and then, me, and then bring those together, and then we're like, we're not on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good, because what, it, what, it, what this has really helped me with is, I'm like, oh, these are things, these are things that, they don't just work community like church, these are things that work for the family. So these are, in my own family dynamic, I'm like, oh, man, like, I, there's deficiencies in my leadership as a husband and as a father, and I'm recognizing it as I'm pulling this stuff together. I'm like, man. So now I'm, like, inspired. I'm like, man, I, like, I could do dadding better. I can, you know, I could be a husband. I can be a better husband. But it, right. I think this, that if we this weren't does challenged apply. to, like, sit down and hash some of these things out, I kind of wouldn't have thought these things through, I don't think. You can tell it was me. Like, I came into the conversation. It's like, I really feel like the Lord's wanting us to talk about, like, community and relationship. And his was all vertical. You know what I mean? Like, the teacher in him is like, how do we define faith the way that, that the Bible defines faith? And how do we define love the way? And I'm like, yeah, but how do we, you know, how do we do this with other, yeah. you know? So there it is. There's the, but this was an amazing thing that you, that you thought of. And it's like, we are up here speaking. Guys, I can't even tell you. I, I don't even want to, like, speak failure over myself, but when I think back, and I think even about the now, the opportunities that we have to walk in love toward our, the people we're closest to are the hardest, let's face it. It's so hard to walk in this kind of love <clears throat> with those that we're closest to because these things happen all of the time. The wounding and the, the indirect, the passive aggressiveness, things like this happen all of the time. So I, we are speaking about this, but God is pressing on an issue that's in us as well. Oh, yeah. All right, go, go on then. So <clears throat> I'm going to use a couple of words here, and I'm just going to switch them out for biblical ideas. So I'm going to use the word principle as, as how Jesus would describe his commands, and I'm going to use the word connection to replace first commandment, right? First commandment, love God, love people. Principle, Jesus' commands. And so a lot of times, relationally, when there's a breakdown in, you know, with me and my son or me and a friend or somewhere in the body of Christ, these two things uh, are, are typically out of order. They're, some, they're, they're, they're mis, misprioritized. It's not that one is more important than the other. Both principles um, and connection are equally important in relationships. We just have to make sure that the principles, they don't come out first. They're not the priority. Like, hey, for instance, Here's all of uh, my ideas, my opinions, and you have, to, you have to relate to me based on my ideas, my opinions, and how strongly we agree on these ideas. Now, we have independent ideas, like independent principles in our lives of how we think that life should go and, and the, the way to operate together. Or even then, just like convictions that the Holy Spirit's given you but maybe through, somebody the, else doesn't through have. the walking out of your faith. You know, yeah. there, there are those things. For sure. And then there's also biblical principles that we use and affirm to help protect our relationships. So if I put the principles first, then all of my relationships are going to be based on how well you're performing and how well I'm performing. And it breeds this environment for easy offense, right. easy uh, backbiting, easy criticism, right? right? But if I put connection first, I'm going to love people and I'm going to mm -hmm. love God. That's the highest priority right. of my life. Right. That is the first commandment for a reason. And then I put the principles in place to protect that love. Right, right. That's, what I, that's the, the proper priority. And so whenever there's a breakdown in relationship, it's usually related to the disappointment to somebody not adhering to a principle that I value or I don't value. Right. Does that make sense? So put more simply or memorably that when, when principles are put first, you put a barrier 
between love. Right. But when you put connection first and principles next, you put protection around the love. Right. Because we know that without the principles, also there's danger in the, in the love as well. So both are needed, but it is that when you put the principle first, you put a barrier in the middle of the love. Right, because you so, have to meet a certain criteria. And so that's not what Jesus does to Jesus us. Does. He doesn't say, meet these criteria, and then you're in the kingdom. Right? right? He's like, come as you are, and then I'm going to convict you, and we're going to talk about the principles right. later. Because he does address the principles, because the principles actually do protect us. And we see the wisdom in them, right. right, later. But if you just throw a bunch of principles at me, and I don't understand why they're in place, I don't understand why they're protective. And then I can't understand love, because all I can see is I have to perform really, really well in this relationship and in my relationship to God. And that just, it doesn't work. But I want to not, I'm, I'm not at all trying to say we diminish the principles. They are incredibly important. What Jesus says and commands us to do are incredibly important because they protect us and they protect the people around us. So that one of the best examples I can think of is our son likes to lean back in the chair at the dinner table. Do you guys have leaners in your house? Yeah. And it, it's like, it drives my brain crazy. I, I watch him doing it, and he's like kind of sitting back with his hands on his chest all, just doing his rela relaxation. No fear. No fear whatsoever. And I'm like, dude, you can't lean back in the chair because it could tip over and you could get hurt. And we say it to him almost every other day, it feels like. Anytime we're sitting at the dinner table, it feels like that is one of the things that's said. Two, it's bad for the chair. Like, I don't want my chair to break. So I don't want you to be broken. I don't want the chair to be broken. And so... Anyway, it always, it happens. He falls over, right? And he's, I remember specifically one time he fell over and I don't know if he hit his head or his back, but he was like crying. He had tears in his eyes. Now, here's where principle and connection is important. Because if I come up and all I do is look at him while he's laying there and I reiterate the principle, this is why we don't lean back in chairs. <laughs> the, the principle now has introduced shame. Right? He's already broken in his heart and in, in, in his back and in his head or wherever he hit. He's already feeling the pain of his decision. Now I'm just introducing shame by, re by reinforcing the principle. But if I grab him and I hug him, I'm like, are you all right? Dude, I know that hurt. That looked painful. Do you need a cup of water? And then I say, hey, you understand how the principle or how this idea would have protected you from that happening. And so that's, that's the way love operates every time. We're not, see, sinner. That's where sin gets you. Play stupid games, get stupid prizes, right? That just, brings, that just brings shame and guilt to the situation. And so we want to apply that same thing to every single person in the room. We all have failure and shortcomings. We have to just admit it to ourselves. And instead of pretending that I'm perfect, and because I'm perfect, you are also perfect, right? That, that creating this unrealistic expectation on people just breeds this environment for shame where there's no grace and mercy for our relationships to operate because all I care about at the end of the day is everybody just needs to adhere to the principles, darn it. Because it's the principle, right? It's the principle of the matter, which really is just our way of saying my flesh is bothered and I need to vent it. Or it's, you right? know, and God has given, like, there's wisdom that comes with age, yeah. right? That you learn some things. And so sometimes we have an upper hand on other people as far as where God has brought us. And we walk in the wisdom of having made mistakes. We walk in the wisdom of walking in obedience. And so we want to put that on others. You know, we want to put that on others. But God says... This verse is split up. Sorry. In Romans 12, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So even when we, we, we feel like we have the upper hand, we have the knowledge, we have, we're walking in wisdom. You know, James says, who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. Yeah. So we want to walk with that kind of peace-loving wisdom. All right, so we're talking about barriers that interfere with unity. We talked about wounding. We talked about putting principle above connection. Yeah. Um, who? I, we can't talk about this long, but it, it is so 
destructive. I'm going to put these last two points together. Complaining, 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 grumbling, and accusation. Because I think both of these can happen indirectly, behind somebody's back, behind closed doors, with a group of people who are you know, away from the thing that you're complaining about. And accusation and all those things can happen. Um, and, and this happens so often, guys. Well, it's easy for it to happen and it to not be perceived. That's the real issue is, is, and then, sorry, I'm going to take up a little bit of time right here. No, well, go ahead then. All right. So the, the, the issue of, of how we don't perceive our own, how we're contributing negative uh, emotions to a situation, right? And this is the nature of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount is he's revealing to us that we have a heart issue. He's not asking you, do you have a heart issue? He's not saying some people have a heart issue. He's saying, actually, humanity, you have a heart issue. And I'm going to reveal it to you. And it would be better on the front end for you to admit it, admit that you have the problem, than try to disguise it or hide it, right? This is like the whole Sermon on the Mount. It's like exposing the human heart for what it is. And so it's easy. You come and you read it, and you think, it says, Jesus says, do not murder. And you're like, oh, I don't, I'm not a murderer, so no, no big deal. I can just move on from this section. And then it says, do not, do not commit adultery. And it's like, well, I'm not an adulteress. Okay, so I can move on from that section. But Jesus doesn't leave it there in any of those situations. He actually drills down all the way to the cause of the egregious sin, which is murder, right? So he goes, you know, do not mur you've heard that it was said, do not murder. But I say to you, anyone who call who's willing to call his brother a fool or to say raka to his brother is in fire of or is in danger of prison and in danger of the fire of hell. And so you read that and you're like, well, wait a minute. Like you just said, do not murder. But now you're saying like, if I'm willing to call my brother an idiot or an imbecile, I'm in danger. Like, how does, how does that work? You're, and so what Jesus is doing is he's, he's not disconnecting the two. He's actually connecting them. And he's saying, if you have something in your heart that's willing to call your brother an idiot or an imbecile or empty-headed, you actually have the spirit of murder already operating in you. That's what Jesus is actually addressing. And then we go, oh, I see. It's not just a little thing that I can explain away. Oh, I'm just a little bothered, so I felt like I had the right to vent about that brother. Jesus is like, that problem in you is actually creating more of a problem in your emotional makeup than you even know. And many human beings never actually get liberated from that low-level bitterness, low-level bother botheredness and grumbling, so they have no idea what it means to be free from those things because they've always lived with them. But because I'm not a murderer, I'm not so bad, yeah. right? And Jesus would say, you think of it like a doctor who says you're, you have a speck of terminal illness in your body. It's just a speck. But if we do something now, it won't be a problem. But if we let it grow, it'll get out of control, and it will ruin your life. And so Jesus is saying the same thing. That willingness to call somebody else or to think of another person this way is actually, it's, it's a terminal illness to your spiritual uh, life. Mm. And it will destroy and consume who you are. Recognize it for what it is. We actually have to recognize it for what it is and call it what it is. Yeah. And he goes on and he says what the consequences are. You will end up in prison and you will not get out until you've paid every last penny. You will not get out until you've paid every last emotional penny related to the way you think about people. Mm. And so we operate in mercy, love, tenderness, and forgiveness. So where it comes in with the grumbling and the arguing, you just skip ahead a little bit. Jesus isn't changing. He's not changing the topic in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He's not, he's not talking about, if you stab my eyeball out, I get to stab your, your eyeball out, right? In, in human history, that, that just doesn't even make logical sense. The law was this, that if I lend you my horse or my donkey and you use it to plow your field, and in you using it to plow your field, that horse or donkey's leg breaks, I need compensation that equals a day's wages or however many days wages that I've lost from lending you my donkey. It's, it's literally eye for an eye so that revenge can't come in and, and overdo it because usually when somebody hurts us, our response is, I'm going to do to them what they did to me, but I'm going to double it. And Jesus is saying, no, 
let's, let's do the opposite. Let's not do eye for an eye. You, you get this, I get that. And then he compares it to, I know, I'm sorry, I'm like drawing this big, long, long out thing, but it's important that we see this grumbling and this low-level botheredness thing because when we can identify it in ourselves, we will get liberated. This is so Jesus' plan. Jesus' vision for our life is to be completely free of low-level botheredness and bitterness. It is cutting off so much good from the church and yeah. that we would be willing to live with it but no, say, no, Jesus, you touch that coal to my lips. Purify my heart. Make me into the person that I am meant to be. I want to walk in unity with my brothers and sisters. I don't want to have any vestige of bitterness or botheredness towards anyone. And, and it does, and it, it purifies us. It cleanses us. It changes our emotional makeup. We begin to relate to each other the way that we're meant to relate to each other, right? And so he compares it, and he says, think of it this way. Somebody asks you to walk one mile, and you say, I'm going to walk two miles, right? Or somebody says, I want to borrow your stuff, right? And you say, I don't want to lend out my stuff. The, the issue isn't every time somebody wants to borrow something, I have to let them. If that's all we draw from the verse, we've missed it. I just need to lend my stuff out freely, and I guess that makes me a Christian. Jesus is saying, how did lending out the thing to the guy that's inconveniencing you make you feel? That's the question. How did walking one mile with the guy that was mistreating you, because that was a Roman law, a Roman could pick out a Jew and say, you walk with me and carry my stuff for a mile. And Jesus is saying, don't grumble in your heart. Yeah. Do it and do it two miles. Carry his stuff. And so when we deal with these, this issue, it's the low-level stuff that Jesus has a vision of liberating us from. And we will truly walk in unity together. But if we're not willing to admit it, and we just want to stay on the surface level and say, I'm not a murderer, those issues never get dealt with. Yeah. You know, in, in Proverbs 6, it, you know, it's, it lists the things that the Lord detests. You guys know that list? Have you read that list lately? One of the things that the Lord detests is one who sows discord among brothers. It's one of the seven things, actually, that the Lord detests. And I think, I'm just going to be real because we're, we're just not going to. Out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. And, you know, I don't know about you guys. I'm a verbal processor. Are you, any of you guys verbal processors? Sometimes I don't even know what's in me until it comes out of my mouth. And it is very surprising sometimes to hear what comes out of my own mouth because it reveals my heart. When we complain and grumble, we're seeking validation in our heart. We're seeking for validation, but it's spreading discord. So what Ray was saying, the intention behind what you're doing, you might not even be aware you're sowing discord. You're seeking validation. You're seeking understanding. But if you're sowing discord among brothers, what is the next step? You break relationship. You sever relationship. Accusation is I'm calling out the flaws and the weaknesses, the things that I see. Well, is that the way that God sees? No, it says God sees the heart of a man. God sees every conversation that we have in the dark places in our rooms when we're crying out to him and saying, God, I, I, I've missed the mark again. He sees those things. He sees our heart. He put new garments on us. In the story uh, in Zechariah with Joshua and Zechariah 3, if you guys are familiar, and Joshua is on trial basically with Satan accusing him. And the Lord says, I won't even hear that. I won't even hear. Put a new robe on him. Get a turban on his head. What does God do? He covers him. He covers the sin. Was it that Joshua was blameless? It was not that Joshua was blameless. It was that the accuser was only accusing what he could see, the flaws and the weaknesses and the failures. And the Lord said, I don't see him through that lens alone. I don't see him through that narrative. I see my children through the blood. And so when we are calling out only what we see on the outside, we're agreeing with the accuser, putting our brother on trial, standing in agreement with the accuser, and then using that as the, the motivation to then walk away from family. Yep. 
We are walking away from relationships because of what Ray started saying with the low-level botherness. I need somebody to listen to me. I need somebody to understand and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I see that too. But love, and Hannah shared it two weeks ago, love covers. Love is the roof. Love covers a multitude of sins. What does 1 Peter say? He says, Above all, and he's saying because the end is near, because we are all in agreement that there's, the time is too short. We do not have enough time to keep rebuilding this house. So above all, fervently love one another. What does fervently even mean? Have you thought about it? In that word is used to describe the amount of tension that you see in a, in a horse's legs when he's running. The, that amount of like tautness, that pulling, that stretching out to the maximum amount. It takes effort to love in that way. Stretch your love out fervently. Love one another. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. And God is seeking a people who are not into this cancel culture. I'm not looking for reasons to cancel you from my life. Church, I'm not looking for reasons to cancel you from my life. Okay, and I could have reasons. We could have reasons to disqualify one another. We could have reasons to get up and go to another church that does it better, whatever it is. But I'm not looking for the, the, the flaws on the outside. I'm standing in agreement to love you with the kind of love that covers your flaws and loves you with an affection that the Father loves us with. That's what I'm after. And we have to stop this. We have to stop going behind closed doors and agreeing with the complaining and the grumbling. I'm sorry to to get on this so much. Yes. Well, what what it does, the the venting and the the grumbling and the complaining, what it does is it's actually giving expressions to what demons are saying in darkness and allowing it to come through through our voice. So we, we're actually only speaking what it is that they're speaking. When we're spe- Accusation is the enemy's number one plan to get everybody off the mark. Because if I can get you to believe the accusation, you'll eventually accuse God in your heart. You may be a believer, but in your heart you'll say, you don't follow through. You don't follow through on your promises. I can't believe you can emotionally fix me. I, I can't believe that you'll do the things that you say you'll do in your word. Right? So we'll... we'll uh, We'll still live in the kingdom and trust in Jesus, but we'll have a low expectation of what the Father actually does. Yeah, the faith is looking at a person or looking at a whatever it is, whatever the thing you have a problem with, and you have to believe if Christ is in them, that the sanctification that's happening in you, you're being made to look more like him daily. He's being made to look more like him daily. Christ is at work, and so we have to have the faith to believe that's being, that's being worked out. That's being worked out. I, the, I'll just share a quick testimony. I know that we're past time. But um, I think I was addicted to exposing my husband for a good part of the early part of our marriage. I probably deserved it. Uh, you would say that. I think I was addicted to finding somebody who would listen and identify with my struggles as a wife. And I wanted somebody to listen and somebody to help me. But really, I wanted them to correct him. And I spent, I spent a lot of years in my relationship doing that and feeling um, obviously no better and obviously very hopeless in my marriage. And I, we, we, our whole testimony is a long story, but I, get one, I have terrible memory, guys. But I have this memory that's a pillar in my life of the day I decided to stop doing that. Not that I'm perfect. But it's been years now. I was standing in my living room. I had just gotten done at an intercession meeting, I think, with, with our intercession group. And God placed somebody on my mind who was in the middle of a divorce. That was the road that we had been down on many, many times. And I was done praying for us. So I said, God, I'm just going to pray for this person. And I released a prayer, and I spoke. And then I sent this person a text message, and I said, hey, this is what the Lord's showing me. And in the process of doing that, the Lord just said, you need to fight. You need to fight. Just do the thing that's opposite to what you're feeling right now. And I walked downstairs. Ray was in the basement working, and I, I sat on his lap because I used to do this thing when I confronted him. I'm like, I didn't want him to run. So I'd sit. I'd hug him. And I just looked him straight in the eyes as if I was not even looking at my husband. I was talking to the, the principality, and I said, I want you to know that there's nothing that you're going to do 
that's gonna make me cut and run. I'm gonna fight for us because you are worth it, because our marriage is worth it, and I believe in us. You are not gonna drive me away. It wasn't that, it wasn't, he wasn't obviously trying to do that. That's what, the, that's what the Satan was trying to do. The accuser. The accuser was trying to do that by having me magnify the flaws. And that's what accusation does. It just magnifies the flaws. The flaws are really just little things yeah. that we magnify, and they become mountains in our vision. But I said that day, no, you're not going to drive me away. We're going to work at this. It's going to take fervent love. It's going to take fervent hard, stretchy, sticky, whatever you want to say. And guys, I'm committed to it. Can we stand together? We are all going to be put to the test in this. It's, this is not the last day of your decision to step into this. Some of you need to reconcile with others in this room. Some of you need to reconcile with the Lord of how you've partnered with uh, complaining and grumbling, whatever it is. But we want to aim together for that John 17 unity. Read that. Read that whole convoluted, difficult to, you know, the repetitive, all of that. Read it through and say, yes, I agree. I want to step into that. I want that kind of unity. And I want to pray this. I don't think I have these verses on there. Did you want to share one more thing before we pray this over them? No, no, go ahead. I'm going to pray what Paul prayed over the Thessalonians. So just raise your hands and receive this. May the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow. Just as our love for you overflows. Guys, our love for you overflows. May he as a result make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God, our Father, when our Lord Jesus comes again with all his holy people. Amen. Guys, the world needs good news. And that starts with us. We have good news, and we share that good news with each other. He has covered my sins. He's covered yours, and I'm going to cover yours because that's how much I love you. All right. Amen. Just give somebody what? I want to do a declaration. Oh, Ray has a declaration. Amen. All right. Let's just say this together. We're going to speak directly into that accuser. Enemy, we see you. Enemy, we see you. And we don't buy you. And we don't buy you. You're a liar and a deceiver. You're a liar and a deceiver. You come like a roaring lion. You come like a roaring lion. But my daddy is a bigger lion. My daddy is a bigger lion. My daddy is a stronger lion. My daddy is a stronger lion. My daddy will devour you. My daddy will devour you. And I stand in the, the safety of his mane. And I stand in the safety of his mane. I commit my words, I commit my words to, speak his words. to speak his words. I reject the words of the enemy. I reject the words of the enemy. Enemy, we don't buy it. Enemy, we don't buy it. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you. You are we are yours. We are yours. Touch the coal to our lips. Touch the coal to our lips. Tonight. Tonight. When I'm in a one-on-one. When I'm in a one-on-one. Touch the coal to my lips. Touch the coal to my lips. Tonight. Tonight. When I lay in bed by myself. When I lay in bed by myself. Touch the coal to my lips. Touch the coal to my lips. Purify my heart. Purify my heart. I want to be just like you. I want to be just like you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. We love you. We really deeply love you. Yeah. I'd say we have the invitation. Thank you, Father. If I could just get a couple prayer teams up here, maybe just two or three up here. Thank you, Father. If you just want to come into agreement, if there's something that feels like a mountain and you need someone just to stand with you in agreement to see that mountain come down, there's no mountain high enough, big enough, tall enough for the love of God to touch you, to bring transformation in that area. Maybe there's a relational issue or something that has just gotten so big in your life. The Lord wants to touch you right now. Maybe the enemy has been beating you up, 
in the area of condemnation and shame over your failures or your failings. I just want to give opportunity. Come down. Stand together. And let's see this broken offer of your life. We love you, Dayspring. Be blessed. So awesome just to, oh, just to have the Lord speak to us so clearly this morning about his desire for the heart of Dayspring, for the heart of his body, for the heart of his church. Be blessed. Encourage each other in the Lord. Speak gold over each other. Come on. Yeah. What does heaven have to say about the person in front of you as you leave today? What does heaven have to say about, about the place you're going next, the restaurant, the waiter, the waitress? What does he have to say about friends that you haven't talked to in a long time, that, that there's bitterness there, that there's broken relationship? Begin to speak out. Begin to speak out blessings over those that have persecuted you, those that have hurt you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.